The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. I brought a little visual object for us this morning. You guys know what this is? It's a trap, right? We use it around our house to trap chipmunks who have found it their goal to destroy the foundations of our house. And so we trap these chipmunks with this trap. But this trap I wanted to bring in front of us this morning to say that this trap represents the lie. Okay, This trap is the lie. When a chippy is caught in the trap, I come upon them and they're flipping and flailing all around this trap, right? And I try to calm them down and begin to speak a lie to them. Shh, you're okay. Everything's fine. You're going to be, everything's good. It's okay. All is right with the world, little chipmunk. And they look at me like they know I'm lying to them. They fight it by flipping out even further around the trap. Shh. As I pick up the cage. Shh. You're okay. As I drop the cage in the trunk of my car and close it pitch black. Shh. All is right with the world. You're fine. I don't drown chipmunks, by the way. Just just to rest assured. I take them to a field or somewhere. Away, well away from us. Just just so it's a humane way. But... Christians, how many of us feel sometimes like the chippy in the trap? Where an outside voice is lying to you. Outside voice is saying to you, everything's fine. Everything's good. When you know things are not okay. For a while, you've tried to make yourself at home in the trap. Convince yourself, you know what, things aren't so bad. This isn't so bad. This is fine. But then you begin to see glimpses of the truth inside the trap. You bump up against your own sin or your own sinfulness or selfishness. You get betrayed by a friend or a family member who told lies about you. You read the headlines of another mass shooting. Your perfect spouse, your perfect family, your perfect job is showing more and more their true flawed colors. You see political ideals or people being elevated as the cure for everything wrong. And you're like, that's not going to work. And you start to see the trap, the lie around you that everything is not okay. And you panic, you distress, you freak out like that chippy in the trap. This is how the Psalms of Ascent begin. Fifteen songs we're walking through this summer. Songs which were written for Jewish pilgrims on a journey from a faraway place to the place where God dwelled, the temple. These were traveling songs. This was like a mixtape or a playlist which would get popped on to remind the traveler where they've come from, what they'll face along the road, and where they're going. The Psalms of Ascent. 
the songs that we're going to sing on the highway to God's heart. And it begins here with a distress signal, with a desire to get out of a trap. A reading from the songbook of Psalms, chapter 120. A song of ascent. In my distress, I cried to the Lord and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long I've had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. God, we thank you for your word. The story of your grace. So let me ask, like, what would be the first song you would play as you're heading out on a journey, on a road trip? Would you start with this one? I love how the Lord in his wisdom sets the tone in the journey of the traveler. A song that's filled with distress, deception, frustration, anger, shoddy dwellings, and a threat of war. That's how he starts the songs of ascent. We as a family, we play DJ on our road trip. We all around the van each have a chance to choose songs that we're going to play. And the kids know inevitably when dad gets to pick the song, it's probably going to be an unconventional, maybe even downer song. It's not, life is a highway, I'm going to ride it all night long. No, it's more like, God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. Because I want my kids to remember on this journey of life that we're taking that life is not a box of chocolates, right? It's a landmine of trouble. And when we see the landmine of trouble, the broken road, what happens? It'll motivate us to long for somewhere better, to long for a destination. This is what the first song on the highway to God's heart is here for, to motivate us to get up and move on. It's a giddy up song. Psalm 120 is a song of repentance of leaving the lies of the world's way and getting on the path toward God's peace. So how do we get out of the trap? How do we leave the lies of the world's ways and set out on a path toward God's peace? Three things this first journeying psalm teaches us to say and to sing as we begin far away from God and move toward him, toward his home. We pray and sing three things. First thing that's sung in this psalm is this. Pull me out of here. Second, 
we admit, I'm not in a good place. And third, we sing, piece me back together, Lord. First, pull me out of here. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. A song of ascents. Literally, a song sung by a pilgrim traveling to a higher place. Scholars debate as to the use of these 15 psalms. Some say they were sung from the bottom of the steps of the temple and there were 15 steps and they made their way up to the top, each singing in a higher key as they went up. Some believe that the psalms build on and ascend in each other's wording. But most believe that these psalms were used as people traveled from faraway places to Jerusalem, to the Feast of Tabernacles. And as they're traveling, they're remembering their temporary dwelling in the wilderness and remembering their final home with God. Whatever way these songs were sung, they're road songs. From a beginning point to an end. And friends, now as much as ever, we need to sing these road songs to each other. Our eyes have been too fixed on the trappings of this world and not enough fixed on where we're going. And the first words from the songwriter is this. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. He's in the trap. He's being fed lies. He's being deceived and he wants out. So what does he do in order to be pulled out? He prays. He prays to the Lord and the Lord answers him. First lie of the world's ways is to believe that we can pull ourselves out of the trap. Call it sola bootstrapus, bootstrap theology. God helps those who help themselves. But if you're caught in a trap of deception and lying, what happens when we try to get ourselves out of a trap of deception and lying? We spin our own version of the truth and form yet another lie. Have you ever seen the videos of kids caught with a permanent marker in their hands? There's ink all over the walls, all over the floor, all over their face and hands. And the kid is asked by their parents, do you know who did this? And they try to get themselves out of it, hiding the marker behind their back and shaking their head. No, I have no idea. Well, then do you know who did this? And the kid maybe points to his toddler sister who can't yet hold a marker. She, she did it. Christian, we need to begin our journey on the highway to God's heart, admitting we need pulling out. I need help. If I try to get myself out of this myself, it's not going to go well. Friends, God helps those who cannot help themselves. Deliver us from the trap, Lord, because you are on the outside 
in the realm of truth. I'm caught up in the world's little cage of lies and I fit right in making up my own lies. I need outside help. Sola God strap us. Only God can pull me out. Only God can save me from my own ways. That's what he's asking for. I watched a training this week with some firefighters on how they rescue each other from wreckage. Say a firefighter is downed and unconscious in a building. And one person in the training geared up and played the down, unconscious, injured firefighter trapped in a burning building. Just laid on the ground. And the leader, the trainer, placed a strap under the guy and lifted the man's limp body out onto a ladder and shoved the ladder out the window to rescue him. How are you trying to save yourself, trapped one? How are you trying to wipe off the permanent marker damage you've made? How are you trying to make the world a better place by blaming those others who have made it so bad? You won't get out. You'll just be caught red-handed in the lie that says you are the righteous one or you are the deliverer or you are the truth teller. Let the real source of truth, Jesus himself, lift you out of the wreckage and push you out of the burning building. Let him be the one to deliver you, not you, never you. Some ways you can do this is cry out to the Lord, confessing the sin you're caught up in or the situation in which you see no hope or the trap the world has you in. Get on your face like that firefighter. Prayer is a posture, a face-down posture of asking someone other than yourself to do the rescuing. Repent of the ways in which you've set yourself up as the standard of truth and rightness. Quit lying to yourself. You have a permanent marker behind your back. Pull me out of here, God, because I can't get myself out. That's the first thing the psalmist prays. The second thing that's prayed in verses 3 to 6 is this. I'm not in a good place. Friends of ours... Uh, Mock Bliss and I as counselors, because we use that phrase a lot. I'm not in a good place. Bliss and I use that phrase to sometimes describe like our emotional state, like where we are. I'm not really in a good place right now. But look with me at verses 3 to 6 and see the bad place the psalmist is in. What shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling place among those who hate peace. You see the bad place the psalmist is in. In verses 3 to 4, it's really interesting. Because the writer appears to go the route of retaliation. When someone hurts us, what do we initially do? We hurt back. We want to hurt back. I see this with my boys and me even. You can just watch them amp up retaliation. When one says something hurtful, the other says something more hurtful. And then the other does something more hurtful. And before they know it, they're at an all-out war. This is what happens with the psalmist in verses 3 and 4. 
he starts taking matters into his own hands. The psalmist launches a payback message of judgment in verses 3 and 4. Give it to them. They're going to get what's theirs. But then notice what happens in verses 5 and 6. It's like a reality check happens. Whoa, whoa. I've taken matters into my own hands. I've been living in these lies in this place for so long that I fight fire with fire. I've been around peace-hating people so much that I've become a peace-hater myself. I'm so far away from the heart of God. Woe to me. That's what's so amazing about the Psalms. They're so relatable. There's such a window into our own hearts. I'm so grateful that the psalmist gets me. That I'm not alone in my tendency to want to judge and shoot arrows at the people who've hurt me or wronged me. But this is not my job. Woe to me. It's not my job. It's God's job. And it's the heart of God and how he first deals with people, his enemies, is to deal with them with peace. I have been really saddened these past year, this past year, year and a half, by the majority of Christians' response in taking back America for Jesus. What are we doing? We're fighting. We're cursing people. We're name-calling. But it's no surprise that we're doing this as Christians because we've been living here surrounded by the American way, which does not look close to God. Like that's places, Meshach and Kedar. The American way are faraway places from God. We're looking more and more like the place we live, Christians, and less and less like the Christ we claim to follow. Paul's exhortation that we read in Romans 12 uses similar language of the psalmist of burning coals. The psalmist says, I want to put an arrow with burning coals into your face. But Paul in Romans 12 says that's not the way God calls us to live as Christians with aggression and retaliation. How are we supposed to live? Listen to the marks of a Christian living in America or Meshach or Kedar or another faraway place from God. This is what Paul says, Christians living in a foreign place. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Repay no one evil for evil, but do what is honorable in the sight of the Lord. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing so, you're going to do what? Paul says, you're going to heap burning coals onto his head. This is our God-given, Christ-demonstrated defense strategy. Overcome evil, not by being a jerk who's shouting and calling down judgment for anyone who doesn't stand with you. No. Overcome evil with good, with peace. Which enemy in your life are you wishing ill upon, hoping they will pay? 
Which enemy are you cursing by talking about them with others and gathering an army around you? Which political or personal enemy are you shooting flaming arrows at even if it's just in your heart? Woe to you! You have been living in the way of the world too long. Grab a rotisserie chicken from Costco and bring it to their house. Grab a growler from Noble Roots and invite them over on a hot summer day. Stop living like the world you live in. Start living like the spirit who lives in you. Who is a loving, joyful, peaceable, patient, kind, good, and gentle one toward enemies. The highway toward God's heart ends with a destination filled with peace, not war. And that's what we see in the conclusion of this psalm, verse 7. As the psalmist's eyes and our eyes are open to living according to the world's way, he prays and sings, Peace me back together, Lord. P-E-A-C-E. Peace me back together. The psalmist writes, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Literally, he writes, I peace. I peace. He's remembering who he is and who he represents. I peace. I represent Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. He's remembering who he is. He's become like the world, using the world's weapons in his complacency. But God reminds him at the end of this psalm, who you are, I peace, like stopping him in his tracks. Wait a minute, I peace, shalom, the beginning and end of who God is. That's who I'm all about. All will be made right with the world. All will be at peace. All will be knit together perfectly in perfect shalom. Every note will be played in perfect harmony. This is who God is. And this is who God has called me to be in the world. We forget that, don't we? We follow the world's ways and lies. Again, saying, you know what? Disorder is the end. Chaos is the end. Distrust is the end. Believing nothing of what you hear from people is the end. Conflict. No. We need to remember our end, who we are, saying, piece me back together. It's asking God to remind us of three things. First, like our posters or banners say, that the world was created through God in peace and order. And second, that he offers us that same peace in Christ. And thirdly, we who are in Christ will live forever together in that shalom, in that peace. Friends, when you're inclined to lash out at your spouse or your kids because they've wronged you, peace me back together, Lord. When being a follower of Christ in the world is like a daily war, peace me back together, Lord. When we want to take vengeance on our enemy for what they've done to us, peace me back together, Lord. We can be pieced back together. We can be shalomed back together as we remember what it was that pieced us together. 
Christ's war against sin was won on the cross. Christ's war against death was won in his resurrection. Peace has been given to us that we now extend to those around us. I'll close with this. My friend and I were talking the other day at breakfast about the Psalms of Ascent and how the end of the journey for the Jews was the temple of God. The place where God dwelt. The place where all would be made right with the world. The highway, the mountainous way led to the place where God was. And he told me the story of his travels in the Holy Land. If you've ever taken a tour around the ancient Near East. The tour was set up in such a way that they made their way journeying, circling around the Holy Land. But the last stop of the tour, of course, was Jerusalem. And he said, right before they arrived in Jerusalem, they stopped at the bottom of the hill and got out of the bus and looked up at the city. And he said, he stood at the bottom of the hill looking up at the city and just started weeping. Because he saw there, there's the place. There's the place where all was made well with me. There's the place where Jesus would make peace with God by dying for his enemies. There's the place. And he also saw here a picture of a new city where the resurrected king would reign and live in peace together with his people forever. He was overwhelmed by what God had done in making a way to peace. And he was overjoyed to think that someday, someday, he would call that place, that place, his home as well. Friends, our life is a journey home. Our life as believers is a highway, a hard way to God's heart. And we begin this journey today admitting how far away we are from him. How far away that place is. And so we pray, pull me out of here. We admit, I'm not in a good place. And we ask, Lord, please Piece me back together and bring me to that place as the Lord moves us out of the trap of the world and toward his home, toward his heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, move us on the path of peace. Do whatever it takes, Father, to deliver us out of the trap of the world. Deliver us from the lies that we're believing. That this is it. This is the end. This is how it's going to always be and that everything's fine. No, deliver us from believing those lies. It's a lie. This is not our end. This is not our home. Father, we want to admit we're not in a good place in our hearts. We've been living in the world so long that we've started to look like the world. We're not in a good place. Deliver us from that. Change us, Lord. By piecing us back together. Make us a people of peace, not of war. 
knowing that the more we extend that peace, the more the fight is going to wage on and rage on. But Lord, make us peacemakers. Because blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Make us people of peace. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.